Astonishing transformations and miraculous resurrections happen in upper rooms found in scripture. Upper rooms are pivotal and still necessary in our own transformation process. What happens there is undeniable, and it's available to every single one of us. Are you willing to go there? Thirty-five thousand decisions. That's the average number one adult makes a day. Some are minuscule, others are paradigm shifting. But how many are we making? And we're not even considering the ripple effect they're setting into motion. She chooses as a place purpose to help women harness decision-making power by allowing God to open our eyes and give us courage to make the one that leads to obedience to His plan, the one that leads us to the promise of hope and future that he's laid out for each of us. If you find yourself in a place where life seems to be obstructing that view and your current state is stuck, meet me at She Chooses where together we work intentionally to choose Jesus over and over again. Listen up. It is so encouraging for me to hear from you guys. If today's episode is helpful to you, do me a favor. Snag a screenshot on your phone or whatever device you're listening on and post it up on your story on Instagram and tag me at JD Hartsey or jump on Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. When you do, you help get the word out and you raise She Chooses in the search results of others. And hey, SheChooses.com is going through a serious overhaul and you just might find your review being posted up on the new site. I look forward to hearing from you guys. Listen up, guys. I am so beyond excited about this Shunammite Woman series. I'm working through this study with a small group of friends right now and am loving every crazy moment. After we wrap up this episode series, I'm going to be offering this as a free resource, either a document download, an ebook, something on the She Chooses website. This is a great study to either dive into on your own or grab a group of friends and start digging in together. There's something super remarkable that happens when women start digging into the word together. And these lessons are perfectly fitting for the woman on the go that has a small snippet of time open, yet still wants to get the word of God active in her day. So stick around, stay tuned, and check it out. I'm so excited. Guys, welcome to episode number 13 of the She Chooses podcast, where we are wrapping up a five-episode series on the Shunammite woman, my absolute favorite woman found in scripture. If this is the first episode that you are picking up this series in, I encourage you, jump on back to episode nine and start there and you'll work your way through episode nine, 10, 11, 12, and wrap up with this one, episode number 13. In this study, we have been having a lot of fun We've been looking at the Shunammite woman and the pattern she leaves for us when it comes to allowing our faith to step beyond a Sunday morning only sort of thing and allowing it to pour into our daily living. 
We've also took a deep dive looking at the process the Shunammite woman walked through to get the man of God into her house. We took that part and we discussed how that applies to our own process of getting the presence of God into our home. It is so absolutely necessary. And so many of us are not living with that, not living in that daily walking life that God desires us to do, to live with him and that true relationship he's calling us into. Last episode, we talked about contentment. You know, the Shunammite woman, she demonstrates an immense level of contentment and it's admirable and it's wonderful and it's something we all need to strive after. And we talked about seven components that she lays out for us that lead us to experience that in our own life. Today we'll see these things play out as we talk about the devastating tragedy that she faces and the upper room experience that she has. What she experienced was astonishing. And it points us to the same upper room experience that God calls all of us to. As a reminder, while we've been walking through the message of her life, we've been looking at Elisha's role in this. And we've been looking at him from the perspective of he paints a picture for us of Jesus. He points us to Jesus. You know, what he did, all of the amazing miracles that God performed through him, They pale in comparison to Jesus, but we cannot deny that his life was pointing us to see Jesus. You know, we've also looked at the process, the Shunammite woman. As we outlined them, we mentioned there were still three that we were going to see play out in this last episode. And the last three that we're going to see is seek God's will, stand up to fear, and trust God. Stepping further into her story, we looked at the birth of the Shunammite son, we compared it to the truth that God wants to do something within and through each of us that it's bigger than us, something we do not have the, the ability to do on our own. When you look at the upper room throughout scripture, you quickly find miraculous, remarkable, amazing things are happening there. So with that, let's dive in. In this episode, we'll focus on 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 21 through 37, and then we're also going to jump over to chapter 8, verses 1 through Faith moves God. We see that from the beginning, and we see it even more so today. The faith of the Shunammite woman, it moved God. It's the same thing for us. Last time we mentioned God wants to do something within us that we cannot do on our own. That something is miraculous. But for the miraculous to happen... A foundation of faith has to be laid. The Shunammite woman, she showed us how to lay that foundation and then how to build on top of it by creating space in our home, in our daily living. She did this by activating her faith, which led her to a place in God where the desire of her heart was revealed and her inability to conceive was removed. The same is true for us. The conception we're talking about, though, isn't necessarily one of a child. Ours is conception of God's plan in our life the one he purposed us for, and his desire to use it to amplify his message to those around us, catapulting it to a level that we are never going to reach on our own. Remember, we're called to send a message to those around us. This life is not about us. It's worth so much more. 
We're told in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Guys, he has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And we are blessed to be able to share that light to everyone that is around us. And God wants to help us activating our faith, though, and comparing it to what we see in her story or maybe those around us can cause us to shy away, maybe be intimidated um, from different struggles we face. We might think that we don't have the level of faith of her or our friend, but we have to look at this pattern for what it is. Faith doesn't have to be remarkable. It doesn't have to be refined. It doesn't have to be perfect. It can be simple. We mentioned last time, simple and easy are very different things. We see this beautifully put in Mark chapter 9, verse 23 through 25. Here we learn about the man whose son was possessed. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That does not speak profound to me or perfect, or refined. What that says is pure, honest, and simple. It even acknowledges that simple is not easy. That's what God is looking for in us. He wants pure, honest, simple, which is exactly what we see playing out with this Shunammite. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 through 4 tells us, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Faithfulness leads to favor. And the Shunammite, she was faithful through the unimaginable. Faithfulness in moments of tragedy and pain can be so hard to hold on to. When we look to the life of the Shunammite, though, and we couple it with these verses, the portion that says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. That love and faithfulness were close to her. And we see the favor of God. It shines brightly. As we look to her story, we see that love and faithfulness, it never, ever left her. That faithfulness, though, we cannot assume that it was easy. In fact, it was challenged profoundly when her promise dies. We, too, can be faced with the same sort of trial where the promise God has given us, that thing in our life that God desires to do within us, or the desire of our heart that comes to fruition where it seems to be lost, or maybe we think it's over or a door has been closed and what we thought to be suddenly isn't. The promise we received from God, it seems to be gone. It's moments like this that can come with an intense temptation to walk away, even to give up without even consulting the Lord. The Shunammite experienced this sort of last, guys. And just the same, we can be faced head on with the fearful spirit that she saw. One that tells us to sit down, turn around, back off, go another path. But we need to look at these situations the way that the Shunammite did and follow the path that she reveals for us, the one of courage. Her relationship with the man of God gave her courage to directly defy that spirit. That connection that she had cultivated was key in opening her up. Perhaps through that connection, she learned what Elijah 
Elisha's predecessor had done for the widow of Zarephath. We find that story in 1 Kings chapter 17. You know, there's a widow who's providing food for the prophet. As the story progresses, her son becomes sick and stops breathing. God uses Elijah to resurrect her son. You know, the Shunammite, she could have learned that story. And she could have been doing exactly what we're doing as we dive into her life and find ways of personal application. That practice could have led her to consider, if he did it then, he can do it again. We start to make these connections when we get into God's word. And we start to see exactly what she saw. If God did it, then he can do it for me. It's because of that activated faith where we start to get that courage to say, he did it once, he's going to do it again. Hearing about how God works in the lives of others, it fuels courage within us. And courage breeds courage. You can see that with kids so easily. You see one of them do something and then suddenly they all want to do something. It's beautiful and it's true. Just as the Shunammite could have been using the widow of Zarephath's record to pursue the Lord. We use stories about the redemption of others to propel us forward in our own pursuit of Jesus. The Shunammite, she demonstrates this for us by going directly to the upper room. The Shunammite's son has died. She's not telling anyone. Rather, she's taken her son, laid him in the upper room that she's created, and she is believing for a resurrection. She is not speaking death. She's only speaking hope and life. We've got to find that same courage. Rather than to assume our promise is gone, we've got to learn how to take our promise to the upper room, to take our hands off of it and run to Jesus. Not everyone can find that sort of courage, but the Shunammite shows us what happens when we choose to seek God's will first. She shows us what happens when we choose to find that courage. She then goes to seek God's will. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It's neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. It's amazing that she had the ability to muster enough courage to say, It shall be well. Friends, how many times have we been in the same sort of situation? Life has not happened the way we expected. Did you have the ability to say it shall be well? Maybe not. And that's okay. We've got to learn from those moments. Maybe something happened and it's left you feeling unraveled where you've considered that maybe this is really over. You've turned your back on God and given up on what you thought to be. What I want us to consider though in this study is that we don't have to endure that unraveling. We need to remember that all scripture is profitable. With this understanding and the deep dive of this study, the next time this happens to us, we can use the pattern she provides. She had a plan, but she knew God had a better one. So rather than stalling out at the unraveling and turning around, instead she pushed through her pain and went straight to the promise giver. We need to do the same. We need to push through our pain and take our pain straight to our own promise giver, straight to Jesus. This is exactly what she did. She gets on the donkey and tells the servant, keep moving, don't slow down unless I ask you to. So they go, they make that trek from Shunem to Mount Carmel. This is about a 15 to 20 mile distance as the crow flies. We're not talking about how the road twists and turns and all of that. 
right? So keeping in mind that this is between 15 and 20 miles, it's probably a little bit more, which means it probably took her maybe around five hours, if not a little bit more. Also remember the little boy died at noon. She is enduring a track to get to the man of God. She's traveling into the night. Sometimes, although God is omnipresent, he's all places at all times, it sure can feel like there's a distance that separates us, can't it? This woman is enduring a journey to get to the man of God. I cannot imagine what must have been going through her mind. This was not running over to the neighbor's house asking for help. This is hours of travel on the back of a donkey. It's long and it's tiring. But she's pushing through, and as she's working through that journey, something is happening within her. She's staying focused as they pass towns, people, whatever. She is focused, and she's having to reject that spirit of fear every moment. I can't imagine all the thoughts that she's taking captive or how much focus that must have required to push forward when her flesh had to have been crying, telling her to stop, to weep, to break down, to grieve. Her child has just died. By pushing on to the man of God, though, she's acknowledging that the circumstances she's facing are out of her control, but they are in his control. Luke chapter 10, verse 39 tells us, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. That woman traveled through the night and into the morning, and boy, do we see that her joy returns in the morning. And friends, that same promise is true for us. Elisha sees her from a distance and sends Gehazi to meet her and to say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she responds, It is well. I love this response. If you remember back when her husband asked her if everything was okay, she said, it shall be well. Now that she's got an audience with the man of God, her response has become more confident and she is declaring it is well. There is a difference between shall and is, and it is a big one. It is a bold difference. She was now in the man of God's presence. As a result, we see that boldness within her in that declaration. She gets to him and she catches him by the feet. She starts to call out things like, I didn't ask for this. You manifested this. I'm not letting go. You brought me this far. Finish what you've started. Gehazi, he goes to push her away, but Elisha stops him. What a beautiful picture. This same thing happens with us and Jesus, friends. He doesn't allow anyone to push us from his presence. He wants us there. He wants to be with us. He is our great comforter. Powerful things happen at the feet of Jesus. Getting to the feet of Jesus requires determination, humility, and getting there can even involve a journey of sorts, just like we see with this Shunammite. But it is one worth enduring. This isn't the only instance where we find powerful things happening at the feet of the man of God, the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus, healing happens. Truth is revealed. Comfort is given. Fear is stayed. Matthew chapter 15, verse 30, the multitude came to Jesus and laid at his feet the lame, the blind, the dumb, the maimed, and he healed them. Mark chapter 5, verse 22, Jairus, his daughter, has fallen sick. He falls at Jesus' feet and she's healed. 
Mark chapter 7, verse 25, a woman whose daughter has an unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. Mary of Bethany, we find her at the feet of Jesus several times. Each of them is for a different reason, and each occurrence, something powerful happens there. When we get to the feet of Jesus, astonishing things happen. Elisha tries to send Gehazi. Gehazi goes, but the Shunammite refuses to leave him. This shows her trust in God. She does not want his servant. She wants Elisha himself. She demonstrates such an immense level of determination. We need to find ourselves in that same place where we refuse to settle for anyone but Jesus. Stand-ins will not do ever. We have direct access to the King of Kings, and we have to position ourselves in such a way to get into his presence. Venting to an ear of a friend won't suffice. Self-help won't sustain us. Social media isn't going to provide us any answers, just Jesus. So Elisha goes with her. Gehazi goes ahead, does as Elisha commands, but nothing happens. Elisha goes into the room and he shuts the door. It's just he and the boy in that room at this point. Powerful things happen behind closed doors in the Bible. Sometimes we just have to get alone with God. When we do, there's freedom. We silence every voice of skepticism. We, every accusing thought is stopped. Every barrier that might try to hold us back from God is removed. Remember, this was a work of God. She had to take her hands off of her promise and wait for the Lord. She embraced her role in this resurrection with faith and faith alone. We already mentioned previously that's hard enough, especially in moments like she was living. Fixing this situation required God to breathe new life into that promise. We see he does just that. Friends, we want the breath of God to be breathed into the plan he has for our life. Allowing that to happen involves a wait. A wait where we don't know exactly what's going to happen or how things are going to play out. Our path and our part in the situation is simply to wait. As we finish the message of this scripture, we see just that happening when we find Elisha stretches himself out on the boy, eye to eye, mouth to mouth, nose to nose. And we see as this happens, life begins to flow back into that child, that promise. God breathed new life into that boy in that upper room. Astonishing transformations, miraculous resurrections happen in upper rooms. He sneezes seven times. Seven is a number of completion in scripture. The Shunammite is called back in and told to take up her son. It's her turn now to scoop back up that promise. But before she does, she goes in and she falls at his feet and bows herself to the ground. She gave honor first. Then she went back and picked up her promise. What a beautiful pattern she lays out for us, ladies. What God desires to birth through us requires his breath to be breathed into it. It isn't a work of our own hands. It's one of his. The message of the Shunammite woman shows us this powerfully. But the work of God doesn't stop after those upper room experiences. We can't let go of our relationship with God after the miraculous happens. Remember, this isn't a one-and-done checkbox sort of thing. It's a lifetime journey. It's a continuous journey. And with each step of life, we're given the opportunity to continue growing our faith, 
to go deeper in our relationship with Jesus. I imagine the pattern of her life like a cycle. Each time we work through this cycle, God is creating a deeper trench, taking us deeper with each step we take to get more of him into our life. This isn't the end of what we find in the Shunammite. We see her again in 2 Kings chapter 8. We find her relationship with Elisha is still intact. They're still connected, and this time Elisha is telling her to take her household and go where she can because there's a famine coming, and it's going to last seven years. The Shunammite is sensitive, and she is obedient. She takes her household, and she goes to Philistine, and when the seven years is over, she returns to Shunam. When she returns, she finds her land is no longer her own, so she goes to the king to ask for her house and her land. And as she is going, Gehazi, Elisha's servant, happens to be telling the king all that Elisha had done. As he's telling the king about the Shunammite son, she just so happens to walk in. But guys, there are no coincidences with God. This is a divine orchestration. Remember how Elisha was looking to do something for the Shunammite that involved the king. He got his chance. Just wasn't how he expected initially. The king asked the Shunammite about what Gehazi had shared, and she responds. And yet again, we see the favor of God is still there in her life. Even though she's just lived through a famine and been pushed away from her home, she's lost everything. After enduring it all, the king restores everything back to her. Friends, God is a God of restoration. That same restoration is what we're called to experience. It is a promise given. Sometimes we walk through situations in life that feel like a famine, pushing us from where we were, even taking what once belonged to us. But friends, that is not the end of it. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope in a future. She experienced and held on to that promise of hope and future. Faithfulness led her to that place. And faithfulness leads us to that same place. The place where we find just how deep the faithfulness of God goes. I hope you've enjoyed working through this study with me. The message of the Shunammite woman is one that will radically change your life if you will allow it. I hope you'll choose to keep digging in And I can't wait to be with you again next time. You just listened to an episode of the She Chooses podcast. I pray you were encouraged by the message you heard today. And I pray that the choice before you, the one that leads to Jesus, is shining bright in front of you. Until next time, let's be intentional. Let's be focused. Let's be diligent. And let's be the she's that choose Jesus.